Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Under God and together we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hi, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, one of the world's largest pro-life organizations. Welcome to Praying for America. We welcome our visitors and viewers from coast to coast and also from around the world. Thank you to our international friends for joining us as well. So I want to talk to you about a few things that have been kicking around in the news uh, lately, including some really, really great polling for President Trump, not only in the Republican primary, but also against Biden, uh, as well as uh, a number of other issues about climate change and uh, some uh, really, uh, <laughs> really fascinating things that uh, the other side is uh, is saying as they continually try to redefine the narrative of what is normal election uh, process in the United States. I'll get to all of that in a second. I want to read a uh, passage here from uh, Scripture that really uh, describes well the work that we are all doing who put America first, the work that President Trump is doing and is, is ready to do for our country again from the, from the White House. Uh, it's it's from, the, from the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 4, in regard to the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. So let's turn to the Lord in, uh, in His Word and in prayer. <clears throat> book, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, starting with verse 15, says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, and bows, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Let us pray. You, Lord God, are fighting for us today in America. Because we in America, Lord, and with our friends worldwide, are with you. We claim you as our God, your ways as our way of life, your gospel as our guide. Lord, we are committed to be obedient to you in all things and we know that you are our shield and protection from the enemy. The enemy that wants to destroy America, the enemy that wants to destroy family and marriage and human life and freedom. 
Lord God, we stand firmly with you, rooted in your spirit, adhering to the word that you have spoken in Jesus Christ, your son. Continue to bless us and bless President Trump as he too both builds and also fends off the enemy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that the case, uh, brothers and sisters, as that, uh, that well-known scenario in Nehemiah, building with one hand, fending off the enemy with the other? Isn't that what President Trump has had to do from the very, very beginning? In fact, from the time that he announced his candidacy back in 2015, it was not normal the way that he was treated and the way that he succeeded, furthermore, was just not ordinary, broke the mold uh, in presidential politics. But the accomplishments, and I always have them here with me, 51 pages of detailed notes of the accomplishments of his administration, this was done with one hand. One hand. Can you imagine what would have been? This would have been twice the, the size, more than that if he didn't have the constant attacks from fake news media, the Democrats, uh, rhinos, and, and so many different obstacles. And now, of course, we see all these, uh, these indictments and these, these phony trials that are being set up, all this garbage. One hand building, one hand fending off the enemy, and yet still he triumphs. It's for the same reason that the people of old triumphed. Our God is fighting with us. Speaking about triumphing, okay, so the McLaughlin brothers, John and Jim, leading pollsters, came out with some very, very important polling that I want to make sure that you didn't miss. They're finding Trump leading Biden by an increasing margin and especially in the key battleground states. Let me just go through some of, uh, some of this. The McLaughlin National Survey, which was taken, by the way, uh, after the Fulton County, Georgia uh, indictment was announced, but before the uh, Republican debate took place. Trump leading Biden 47 to 43%. Now that's up two points this month alone. There's a crossover vote, and uh, Dick Morris was commenting on this the other day as he was speaking about the McLaughlin poll. What is the crossover vote? These are the people that voted for Biden before, but are voting for Trump now, and a smaller segment of people who voted for Trump before, but are planning to vote for uh, Biden. Uh, of course, that doesn't make too much sense. But look at the comparison of the numbers. Biden is only getting 2% of Trump voters, but Trump is getting 10% of Biden voters. The Biden buyer's remorse, 10%. So what that means is a net 8% gain for President Trump over Biden in terms of the crossover vote. That is very significant. So when you look at the base, you've got 96% of the Republican base standing with President Trump, but only 84% of the Democrat base standing with, uh, with Biden. So eight-point turnaround in that, in that crossover vote. Now, in the battleground states, the McLaughlin brothers say 
Trump is leading Biden 49 to 41%. They're saying he appears to be the only Republican candidate who can solidly defeat Joe Biden. I want you to keep this in mind when people try to say to you, oh, well, yes, he's obviously clearly dominating in the Republican primary, but that's the Republican base. We've got to get somebody who can win in the general. He can. Yes, he can. And, and, the, and the numbers are showing that. And this is what we've got to get into the minds of our fellow voters from now. He can. Polls are showing him even leading in the, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, popular vote. So let me go deeper into this polling. Um, public opinion agrees with President Trump. And this, of course, is, uh, you know, a lot of the, it's interesting to see what commentators are saying about the, the impact of these indictments. There is a phenomenon, and we've talked about it here on the show before, whereby people realize that, hey, wait a minute, even if President Trump were not my first choice, I got to get behind him now because he's being treated in a way that is not American. I have to, so it's out of a sense of defending America, defending our freedom as voters to choose our candidate rather than having the political opposition arrest and imprison its, its, its opponent, which is what the Marxist, uh, Stalinist uh, countries do. But there's something even more substantial here, which goes back to this uh, collection of papers. President Trump's presidency worked for America. It, it, it succeeded for America. And that's, of course, another reason that makes the indictment so ridiculous, as we discussed the other night. If you really have any doubt that this man has America's best interests at heart when he built us our best economy, strongest military, strongest border, greatest advancement for religious freedom, the rights of the unborn, families, small businesses, etc., on and on we all can go. So it's the policies that people are saying, wait a minute, I agree with, I agree with President Trump, not just his policy positions, but his accomplishments. Let's go through some of what the McLaughlin said. Now I'll get to some other news items with you. Biden's job approval rating remains decidedly negative. 43% approval, 55% disapproval, 72% of undecided voters disapprove of Biden's job performance. So most of the undecided vote is a hidden, as of yet, hidden vote for Trump. Under Biden, 67% of all voters believe the country's on the wrong track. Only 25% believes it's heading in the right direction. I don't know what kind of drugs uh, they're on. Of the undecided presidential voters, 83% are saying the country's on the wrong track. Again, that bodes well for President Trump. A solid 64% majority of voters say the economy is getting worse. 32% believe it's getting better. Again, tell me what kind of drugs those are. A large 83% of the voters say they've been negatively impacted by inflation, among whom 45% are struggling to even keep up and afford basic necessities. Only 37% of voters are favorable to Kamala Harris, 54% unfavorable. Um, it's like she's Joe Biden's insurance policy, impeachment insurance policy, remove me in other words, he can say, and look what you get. Bidenomics, a poor brand name. Only 22% of voters being favorable to it, 46% unfavorable. 
And uh, let's see, um, Trump is winning on the issues that matter most to the voters, economics and inflation. Top concern of 45% of these voters and of them, 57 to 33% is in Trump's favor over Biden. Social issues like Medicare, Social Security, healthcare, climate, education matter most only to 27% of the voters who uh, vote for Biden um, by 60 to 31%. But that, those matter most to 27, small per, smaller percentage of the voters. On the other hand, security issues like the border, crime, uh, and national defense, to the voters for whom those matters uh, matter most, they prefer Trump, 55% to 37. And then as pundits speculate about Biden's health, Trump's position strengthens over Kamala Harris, as he leads her 50 to 40 percent. She's not a winning option for Democrats, who instead keep doubling down on Biden's corruption and failure. Now, with all of this going on, you look at the congressional, the congressional uh, generic ballot, which means the question of in voting for Congress, would you tend to vote for Republican or Democrat? The Republicans are leading. 48 to 42%. The McLaughlins conclude the Trump-Biden race is no longer close. Trump is clearly leading, and this has been a significant turnaround from the 2020 race. You know, when you look at, uh, when you look at all this, as some pundits have been saying, you know, this primary has become a waste of, of time. Again, we have the greatest respect for the primary process itself and for the choice of uh, even some of you who are preferring other candidates in the primary. We're not downplaying that at all. I'm just saying many pundits are, are saying, look, we've got to focus really on what, something we've discussed on this program, building the infrastructure for getting the ballots, okay, educating our people about early voting, about uh, where it's legal, ballot harvesting, ways of, of uh, assisting our, our base to, uh, to vote and to vote effectively and not to get log jammed on election day. Vote early, treat every day as election. All those mechanisms that we've discussed and we'll discuss again. And the matters that we're talking about here the Biden corruption, the weaponization of government. We've got to get people's minds focused on this. We've got to get messaging out on this. We've got to get voters educated on this. Full force starting now. The Republican versus Democrat uh, 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 argument. The America versus Democrat argument. we got Mark Levin's book coming out, The Democrat Party Hates America. Uh, make sure you, you pre-order it on Amazon. We really do have to shift the focus of attention here. Let's focus here on the general election. Let's focus here on convincing people that no matter who the Republican nominee is, oh yeah, this is, it would be an absolute disaster for America to elect these Democrats and keep electing them. Now, in terms of issues, one other point, and Dick Morris was making this point the other day, you know, President Trump's instincts are so right when it comes to policy, even when uh, he, the, so many of the conservative base were on the wrong track. And, and, and I want to highlight three of those briefly. What he's had to say about China, 
Too many conservatives have been saying, oh, well, they're our friend, they're our friend. President Trump pointed out, no, they're not. And uh, he was tougher on China than anyone. He was the only president that was able to get money out of them by the billions. Immigration, they get money for America. That is not like the Bidens do getting it for themselves. Immigration, too many conservatives were saying, oh, don't talk about that as an issue. It's not an issue. And meanwhile, President Trump comes along and campaigns, making it a cornerstone issue. Build the wall. Look at the great way that that has resonated as a campaign centerpiece. And then endless wars. Too many conservatives saying, oh, well, uh, we have to go in and defend these other countries. And President Trump coming along and saying, I'm not going to get us into any wars. And he didn't. He was the only president in our modern times that didn't. And how about they and others take more responsibility for their defense? Okay. Well, a few things um, knocking around in the news uh, that I want to comment on. Now, first of all, did you see that 1,600, over 1,600 scientific experts, including two Nobel Prize winners, came out with a statement against this myth of climate change? And the climate changes every day. That's why we look at the weather report. But the, the, the idea that we have to ruin our economy in order to save the planet the idea that there's some imminent uh, 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 worldwide implosion about to happen because of climate. The idea that every single time there is a storm or a hurricane, I'm here in Florida, we know about hurricanes, so many of you do too. It's like in other states too, it's like, wait a second, you don't start blaming the fact that we have carbon emissions, you know, and we have to change our behavior because there was a hurricane. They came out and they said, look, here's one of the best quotes from their statement. Climate science should be less political. Climate policies should be more scientific. Scientists should openly address uncertainty. I would add religious leaders, too, who hop on this climate change bandwagon like idiots. Scientists should openly address uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming. Politicians should dispassionately count the real costs as well as the imagined benefits of their policy measures. In other words, stop destroying the American economy while China goes off and builds it its own to its heart's content. That's what some of these uh, ridiculous agreements like the Paris Climate Accords will do. Paris Climate Accord, you've got to be anti-American to support that or just plain ignorant. There is no climate emergency, these 1,600-plus experts say. Therefore, there is no cause for panic and alarm. And I would add, there is no cause for politicizing this in favor of the Democrats. Okay, another news item that caught my attention. Uh, conservative uh, groups. This is the L.A. Times. Listen to this. Tell me, tell me catch, catch, catch this with me. Conservative groups draw up a plan to dismantle the U.S. government and replace it with Trump's vision. This just came out the other day. What are they talking about? I have been involved in the effort that they are about to describe, not just this time around, but in the past, where we on the conservative side think ahead and plan ahead for the next Republican administration. Think ahead and plan ahead in terms of personnel. Because, you know, as the saying goes, personnel is policy, right? 
If you know that there's going to be eventually, uh, hopefully right away, another Republican administration, prudence dictates that you plan ahead and you ask the question, well, who could serve in the thousands of positions that people serve in in the, in the, uh, in the federal government, in the, in the executive branch in particular, and all the different agencies, in the cabinet? Who can serve? Isn't it just prudent and wise to think ahead and plan ahead and search ahead and find the best people and prepare them now? And not only the best people, but the best plan. Think ahead, draft some, some, some legislation, draft some executive orders, get the engines going. In fact, don't stop the engines. The very people that were working in the Trump administration are, in fact, working right now to say, okay, correcting, first of all, and, and, and repairing the damage that these deluded, uh, despicable uh, Democrats have, have done to America, and also building on the progress that President Trump made, much of which, in fact, is still already in place. Let's see what the policies and what the proposals and what the executive orders and what the plans and what the, the, the proposed legislation is going to be in the next administration. This is normal activity. I've been involved over the last three decades in meetings where, in anticipation of a Republican administration, we said, okay, let's go start recruiting people. Let's find people who could serve in the administration. And now we've got a phenomenon, not only where in the ordinary exercise of our electoral freedom, like, oh, I don't know, who should choose the nominee, or can people object to uh, what they see as uh, 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 misbehavior in the elections? I and mean, this is all part of American freedom. The other side is now criminalizing this. Now they're talking about a plan to staff the next administration as a, did you get the phrase here? Plan to dismantle the U.S. government. It's called elections. Plan, listen to this. With more than a year to go before the 2024 election, these people are so stupid. A constellation of conservative organizations is preparing for a possible second White House term for Donald Trump, recruiting thousands of Americans to come to Washington on a mission to dismantle the federal government and replace it with a vision closer to his own. Yes, it's called elections. What's wrong with these people? And, 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 and they're, counting, they're counting on people reading this. Read the headline, maybe the first paragraph. And, oh, oh my goodness. And then all the alarms go, oh, we got to stop this. we got to stop this. It's a takeover of America. Yeah, every four years we have a takeover of America by whoever wins the presidential election. Every two years, we have a takeover of America by whoever wins the congressional elections. This is called elections. These people hate freedom, brothers and sisters. They hate freedom. If they win, oh, well, that's, oh, the triumph of democracy. If we win, that's, oh, it's a, we're dismantling the government. I just wanted to bring that to your attention in case this comes up in conversation. A, a final point here, and then I want to share with you a, 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 what's called the no excuses litany. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's a nice little inspirational thing. And we'll go back into prayer. Well, I, I want to say a word about Pope Francis. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic, and as you know, I was ordained a Catholic priest back in 1988. 
I head up a group called Priests for Life, it's a Catholic group, but we work interdenominationally. But Pope Francis sure has been causing a lot of confusion in these, uh, these 10 years that he's been Pope. A lot of confusion, not only within the Catholic community, but among those of you who are in other Christian communities, he's causing a lot of confusion. And those of you also who may not even be Christian. And recently, he had some insulting things to say about American conservatives. He's saying that we Christians in America, he was talking especially about Catholics, is we tend to replace faith with ideology. Now, I've done some interviews about this and some written some articles, or sent an article into uh, Gateway Pundit about this at their request. You want to find people who are replacing faith with ideology? You have to look no further than the Democrats. In fact, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, good place to start. They claim to be practicing Catholics. And they are on a mission to promote abortion. I mean, they, it's not just that they agree that abortion should be legal. Most Americans agree that some, uh, 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 some circumstances would warrant abortion to be legal. But these people are not just talking about that. These people are saying we need more access to abortion. It's a sacred right. We need to stop the limitations on it, even if those limitations are parental involvement on the abortion, in the abortion of a minor. And we need the taxpayers to fund it. The Democrats have introduced legislation, and Biden and Pelosi have expressed support for it, that would remove all restrictions on, on abortion. And meanwhile, they claim to embrace a faith that holds that there should be no abortion. How does that make sense? So if the Pope is talking about people who are replacing their faith with ideology, and what's worse than lying about it and trying to present themselves as practicing the very faith that they are contradicting, they should point to the Democrats. Don't talk about the conservatives in America. As a matter of fact, the message that I have in response to Pope Francis is this. All the things that the Catholic Church cherishes all the things that the Christian community across the body of Christ cherishes in terms of faith, the ability to practice our faith, the respect for life and freedom, the education of our children, the meaning of marriage, and the value of the family are under unprecedented attack from the Democrats who want to destroy these realities. That's the fact. This is a war. It is political and cultural divide, which is a manifestation of a spiritual divide, a spiritual war going on between those who acknowledge God's truth and those who say, well, I'll make up the truth. A man is not a man. A woman is not a woman. A baby in the womb is not a baby. They just create their own truth and try to destroy everything that Western civilization itself, and America in particular, are built on. And when that happens, we stand up and say no. And we stand up and say no because of our faith, because we stand on the platform of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when a political party departs from that, we stand up and say no. And if you want to call that ideology, if you want to call that going backwards, well, we call it staying faithful. 
We call it exercising our right to preserve the very things that the church says that she stands for. So unless you want to see the Catholic Church shut down in America, unless you want to see your priests and bishops imprisoned in America instead of leading the flock, well then, stop criticizing conservative politics in America. Stop criticizing conservative Catholics in America. Stop saying we're going backwards and realize it's part of our faith and yours to resist these spiritual enemies. Those are my comments on uh, what's happening here. You could check out, check out, you know, my main website, friends, is endabortion.us. Check that out for more information. And finally, the no excuses litany. As we go back into prayer here, uh, I want to uh, uh, read this for you. This comes from decades ago. I came across this. I'm sure many of you have heard it. You know, we don't have any excuse uh, for not engaging in the battle. Engage it fully, freely, and vigorously. And sometimes we say, oh, well, I can't do it because of this or I can't do it because of that. No, no, no. Engage it. L l listen to this. No excuses litany because these are people who had a lot more excuses than we do. And nevertheless, they engaged the battle fully. The no excuses litany. We'll get this on our, our website. It's on our website, by the way, endabortion.us. No excuses litany. Noah was drunk, Abraham was too old, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses was a stutterer, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God. John the Baptist ate bugs and was fashion-challenged. Peter denied Christ. The apostles fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman couldn't get an annulment. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. No excuses, brothers and sisters. God is with us, just like we started out with Nehemiah, saying God will fight for us. In that spirit, let's turn to him again. Lord, you are fighting for us. You will fight for us, Lord God, not because you owe anything to us, but because we owe everything to you. We are your servants and we have experienced your bountiful, freely given love. We have experienced your covenant and your promise and you will not go back on your word. We rally around you, O oh God. And Lord, we ask you not simply to bless America. We ask you to make America a nation that blesses you. By our respect for human life starting in the womb, by our vigorous defense of marriage, family, the freedom to educate our children, the freedom to pursue happiness, the freedom, Lord God, to proclaim your gospel. And we pray now gathering together all the needs of, of one another and asking you to answer our prayers and meet our needs, we pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And abortion.us is the website, friends. Follow me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. That's FR Frank Pavone on all the major platforms. And thank you for watching Praying for America. Thank you for praying with us in the Word as we look at everything that's happening and continue to promote our program. If you would invite others to come and watch as well. Let's keep encouraging one another. God bless you. We will talk to you soon. Where does this love begin? In our own family, in our own home. How does it begin? By praying together. Family that prays together stays together. And if you stay together, you will love one another as God loves each one of you. Today, the world, in the world, there's so much suffering because of that one of prayer, of unity in the family. So today, when we are together, let us make one strong resolution that we will bring prayer in our family, that we will teach our children to pray and pray with them. And you will see the joy and the love and the peace that will come into your hearts. Because the fruit of prayer is the deepening of faith. And the fruit of faith is love. And the fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace. Works of love are works of peace. That is why let us bring the tender love of God in our families. Submit your prayer intentions. Obtain mass cards and a relic card at prayerintentions.org. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.